You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 116 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the Spare Room studio again this week is my co-host Matt. Hello, hello. How are we all? We're all warm. It's, 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 it's always warm, warm yes, in this studio. Is, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yes, I should apologise. The camera, where I've got my camera, is like while I'm reading the screens and stuff, I'm going to look a, a bit strange. But anyway, so uh, this means nothing to any of those who are listening to it on the download, of course. No, no, no. But, no. <laughs> anyway, yes, absolutely. So, what have you been up to this week? Uh, um, I've been feeling very ill. I've um, yes, not been not been very well this week. No. So I've been no. um, um, taking various pills and stuff what the doctor prescribed me, which made me feel extremely funny. Yes. Absolutely, more uh, than usual. More yes. than usual, yes. Um, and then I then I had actually had a night out last night and enjoyed myself. Yes. Until this morning when I woke up and was in terrible pain. All ah, right, because <laughs> you hadn't taken them. Because I hadn't right. taken yes. my pills. <laughs> well done. Have but apart from that, I'm okay. Now yes. you, Matt, you've uh, been yes. you've been caravaning. I have been ca- caravaning. The caravan had its very first maiden voyage, ladies and gentlemen. Very exciting. Yes, had a little pop out to. Uh, we only went to Thetford Forest. Uh, yeah, very just nice. Down the road. But uh, yeah, no, a great, um, great little campsite actually, great fun, and because uh, it's Mama Smith's birthday today. So. Yes, yes, so she's twenty-one her, again. She is, yeah, twenty-one plus VAT. Mother usually says, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> value-added tax here in the UK. Um, but uh, yeah, no, really good. A uh, couple, couple of uh, uh, things that uh, went slightly wrong is <laughs> had a little trouble getting it off the drive, um, and um, it started to roll. So I, I, I yanked on the handbrake. Uh, unfortunately, the handbrake came off in my hand. Um, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and sort of ran into a wall down the bottom. So it's not the smoothest getaway we've ever had, but uh, yeah. all is under control now. It's amazing what you can do with a nut and a bolt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but at least you got there and back. Safely. We did absolutely yes, and we just and you had, had a good time. We did and had a lovely surprise. Yeah. Um, had a lovely surprise uh, birthday meal in our favourite restaurant, Chan's uh, in town. Ta- or the Three Cooks, it's called here in Bungie. And uh, yes, uh, surprised her with her friends, a couple of her friends coming who they didn't know they were coming. And uh, and Geordie and Jill, who, who you know, so yeah, no, it was really nice. So, so that's why that's why we're a little bit late starting. So it's probably yeah, worth that's saying. That's why it's a Sunday. It not is. A, a it Saturday. is. Yeah, absolutely. Because because yeah. of that, it is uh, Sunday, the twelfth of June, yes. and it's uh, just gone half past five here in the UK. Yes, a good evening to everyone in the chat room. Philip yeah. Davis has just popped in there. Uh, ah. Myla, Jennifer, uh, David Corson, Micah. And Mash is in the chat room, and scrolling back up to the top where we started. I feel really bad saying Bounds Jen, in the chat Jen room. Niffer. I, 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 I feel obliged to pause in between. <laughs> Uh, we'll just say Jen. Jen, yeah, that's Jen. a good idea. Good. I like that's that. the best yes, way. Absolutely. Oh, don't, don't get me told off from the pronunciation. I know, we can't do that. Yeah. Blimey, yeah. <laughs> so, so welcome to all of you guys in the chat room. Yep. Thank you for joining us um, on this uh, Sunday evening. It's it very is. kind yep, of you to, uh, to take your time away from your... Right. Should we do it? So, yeah, so we start the show then. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Philip's just said he's back, just back from the Tour oh, Bay Air Tour Bay Air Show. Oh, we, you'll have to tell us what that's like. Mm. Uh, tell the chat room what the Tour Bay Air Show yes, is please. like. Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, uh, obviously, with the things as they are in the UK, air yeah. shows are becoming a dying breed. Yes, indeed. In fact, there was a very sad tweet you, tweet that you put out um, this week, wasn't there? That yeah, found, we did, um, yeah. But and uh, and you, got, you got a reply from the organisers, actually. Which they was, did, which yeah. Was really yeah they lovely. come back yeah, to us with that. Well. It's very sad. Yeah. Well, perhaps if we can talk to them about it, because it would be nice to get a sort like first-hand experience of it, wouldn't it? But anyway, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm waffling. Yeah. No. Shall we? Uh, shall, shall we do this? Yes, we're going to start the show then, as we do uh, each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, 
Oh, yes, I'm ready. Let's go. So the first news story then on the Sun's website. This is a story that um, yeah. that popped up uh, the local this week. rag mm. yeah. and um, <laughs> UK rag. Sorry, we've got some pictures of this story as well, which is quite good. And it's something that's not been uh, it's been done before, but it's uh, it's not been done for a little while now. But uh, the uh, headline: uh, stunning pics show a huge Airbus A330 uh, being sunk under the sea as a makeshift reef for divers. A300, in a desperate sorry. bid. A300, yeah. No, no, you said A330. Did I say Yes, yeah, it's the A300. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> That's the pills. Yeah, all right. Um, a desperate bid Any to boost uh, <laughs> Turkish tourism. So the aircraft uh, in question, the A330, no. was uh, three, 300. <laughs> oh, God. The A300. A300. Yeah. Oh. Do you want to start that story no, again? No, no, no. no. <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on, carry on. I'll just put it down to my illness. No, okay. All right, yes. So anyway. Which actually concerns my feet, not my head. Right. Which okay. is a weird thing, <laughs> yeah, but there we just... go. So the A300 uh, that uh, has been deliberately sunk in a Turkish holiday resort in a bid to boost the country's flagging tourism mm. industry. Uh, the authorities plunged the A300 Airbus into the GNC, uh, much to the delight of hundreds of cheering beachgoers who watched the two-and-a-half-hour operation. The huge commercial aircraft was carefully dropped into the ocean on Saturday afternoon. Uh, there was hundreds of onlookers on the beach uh, who were gathered to watch this uh, particular feat being mm. done by cranes and various uh, Ropes and pulleys and that. We'll get the pictures on in a second. Yeah. Um, holidaymakers cheered loudly as the plane was plunged into the turquoise-coloured water. The aircraft, uh, which has a wingspan of 144 feet and a length of 177 feet, was sunk in the Aydin province near the resort town of Kusadasi uh, in Turkey. Uh, the Turkish tourism chiefs hope that uh, the unique underwater attraction will entice deep-sea enthusiasts back to the popular diving spot. Holiday bookings to Turkey have dropped by 40% following the recent wow. bomb attacks in uh, Istanbul and the capital Ankara. Ankara the 36-year-old plane, which will now become covered in beautiful aquatic plants, was brought by the Aden municipality from, the, from a private aviation firm for around £65,000. you think they'd donate it, given the fact that they're just going to stick it. Now, the sinking process <laughs> mm. took... Uh, two and a half hours oh, wow. to actually sink yeah, the uh, okay. th sink the aircraft into yeah. the water. Okay. Uh, and what we'll do, we'll put a yeah, picture here. Up here uh, yeah. So, so for those those of you who are listening on on the audio version, if you take yourself to the sun.co.uk and then within their search engine, search for "stunning pics show huge Airbus A300," uh, and you'll you'll no doubt be able to find it. But these are some of the pictures here. Um, and uh, as I say, this is, this is as they were dropping it into the, uh, the Turkish waters there. And um, yeah, no, it's, it, we'll it's pop really another one. Yeah, up there. absolutely. Map yep. just fade. Yeah, and uh, we've got one here of where are we here, here we yep. go. There we go. There you can see yeah, it there. Quite the, so this was after a couple of hours. Yeah, this was after a couple yeah. of hours. Yeah, the aircraft. There, there we, we go. go, slipping into uh, into the water there. And uh, yeah, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's just a bizarre thing to see. Well, uh, because it's been done before, you know, mm. it's not the first time. I mean, they they do sink ships, you know, yeah. stuff like yeah, that yeah. To, to to provide a reef for uh, divers to swim on. Well, and um, and um, 
uh, Stuart, tall Stuart, who was helping us with the uh, the 100th show, uh, the, the the cameraman and that, who, who gave us a hand with that. He does um, diving uh, like this. I, I, he'll, be, he'll be well up for, for, for this, have an opportunity to swim through that. Because I suppose you've got a bit of space as well, haven't you? I know. It must yeah. be. It's going to be a weird experience yeah, to dive yeah. inside the aircraft. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. There, there's no interior pictures, unfortunately, to see what they've left in. Whether there's seats and stuff left in the uh, in the in the aircraft itself, I mean, so I, I'm just reading the chat room. I can't read any of them out, but uh, yes, I think we should definitely have a fact checker. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah APG <laughs> fact checkers. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. need to employ them on our show. I think. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So moving on to the yes, next next uh, story. story, which um, by just some change this week. Change. Yeah, absolutely. Poor Ryanair. Yeah. Hey. He says, well, you mind your mum's just come back from, from, from Ireland with them uh, this week. So uh, anyway, breakingtravelnews.com is the website. And the headline is Ryanair expands uh, uh, low-cost accommodation offering. Ryanair has announced that it will launch a low-price accommodation offer, Ryanair Rooms, from October, offering its 116 million customers the widest choice of hotel, hostel, B&B, holiday villa and homestay options. Ryanair is inviting all interested accommodation providers to submit proposals to become partners in Ryanair Rooms. With Ryanair Rooms, the airline will widen the range of accommodation it offers to customers beyond just hotels to include hostels, B&Bs and homestay slash villas. The latest customer initiative follows the launch of Ryanair car hire last August. Now, they always used to have a partnership with Hertz, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, Because quite often I've actually hired a car through Hertz uh, via the Ryanair website, so it must be a bit of a blow um, for for them. Uh, Anyway, in partnership with Car Trawler is the agent, if you like, they're using for that now and it will be the latest digital improvement delivered by Ryanair Labs under the Always Getting Better program which includes a best in class personalised website and dynamic mobile app. Ryanair spokesman uh, Kenny Jacobs said that Ryanair's low low fares revolutionised air travel for Europe's passengers now with Ryanair rooms we are going to transform the booking of accommodation. More and more uh, customers are looking to Ryanair for products other than flights and we will see this, we see this as a natural progression towards Ryanair.com becoming the Amazon of air travel. That's quite a claim, isn't it? The Amazon of air travel. Yeah. Uh, it also echoes the change in demand from customers for different types of accommodation, which in turn will be reflected by vary, the varied range. Ryanair rooms will offer from five-star hotel rooms to independent homestay. We look forward to receiving proposals from interested partners who want to help us disrupt the travel industry once more. Ryanair mm. are going to be, they're going to have their hands in, in, a, in a many different yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Aspects Fingers in many pies. Yeah, yes, I mean, absolutely. you're going to be out there yeah. with everything from uh, book a flight to, to, to everything, yeah. cars, <laughs> hotels. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading Micah's uh, thing. I can hear the advert now. Like our, like our poor service in the air, now you can have the same poor quality uh, Ryanair service on the ground too. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, hello to the Jinx effect in Ooh. the chat room. Haven't seen you in a chat room before, Ooh, Jinx hello. effect. Whereabouts in the uh, planet are you? Oh, that sounds very Let good. Know. Yeah, yeah. His uh, profile <laughs> picture's got an aircraft in the background. Well, that's so a good I'm start. guessing he's a pilot. Right, that's it. Well, well, well maybe a well, keen like aviation enthusiast. Yes, yeah, so hello we'll to you, the Jinx Effect. Yes. Anyway, on to the next story. Next story is on Flight Global site, and uh, this is another story this, from this week's news. The UPS freighter suffers uh, nose oh. wheel collapse at Seoul, Incheon. Oh, dear. Uh, the uh, Boeing MD-11 freighter, operated by United Parcel Services, or UPS, uh, experienced a collapse of one of their nose wheels on an aircraft during a failed takeoff 
from Seoul Incheon Airport. Ooh. The aircraft in uh, November 277 Uniform Papa. Mm-hmm. God, my head. <laughs> the uh, was operating flight UPS uh, 61 on the Seoul Incheon Anchorage route. Uh, the incident occurred at 10.30 local time on uh, Monday, the 6th of June, says UPS. There were four crew aboard the jet, all of whom escaped safely via the forward left-hand slide. Images from Incheon show the nose of the Ooh. aircraft resting in the grass yeah, beside the runway. Uh, and an official in, at uh, the airport told Flight Global that the incident happened 350 metres down the runway. Mm. But he des- uh, declined to provide uh, the runway number. Uh, the picture, actually, there was the picture. You could see the nose wheels collapse. Mm. But you could also see there's quite a lot of damage to uh, to the engine there on yeah, the absolutely. side where they've taken yeah. the photo there. If you are listening to the audio podcast, then it's uh, flightglobal.com is the website. And just search in there for UPS Freighter Suffers Nose Wheel Collapse. And you'll so the damaged it. aircraft resulted in the runway being shut for traffic. And UPS says the aircraft uh, had, was, had then been cleared uh, to be moved, but still remains, uh, well, it's going to be uh, uh, an investigation for sure to see what happened here. Uh, Flight Global's fleet's analyzer shows that uh, November 277 Uniform Papa bears the MSN 48578, powered by three Pratt & Whitney PW4460 engines. It was originally delivered to Japan Airlines in 1995 as a passenger aircraft. In 2004, it was purchased by the Boeing Aircraft Holding Corp, which was uh, then sold uh, to UPS in October 2004. It was then converted to a cargo jet with the installation of the cargo door, and it has served with UPS since November 2004. That's a, a bit of uh, a worrying oh, the nose gear collapse because we had quite a few of those towards the beginning of the year, wasn't it? We had uh, quite a few nose wheel collapse on various mm. aircraft, but yeah. um, obviously yes. being a being a cargo car- uh, carrier, obviously uh, mm. Miami Rick's the person to talk about with this uh, thing, but he's been missing off ABG just lately. Oh, right. Yes, we've <laughs> missed, missed you, Rick. If you're listening, yeah. Rick, <laughs> we, we, are, we all miss you on uh, ABG. Yeah. So get back. Uh, hi to Jinx, then. He's, he's, he's the Jinx effect. He's, he's listening or watching for the first time live from Glasgow. Glasgow? Yes. Oh, hello. Yeah. Well, greetings yeah. uh, uh, to you in Glasgow. Or Stephen um, is the other thing. Oh, Mr. Warner has just joined us as well. Hello, Mr. Warner. Yes, the legend that is yes anyway on to the next story and uh, he says he doesn't know what he's doing today I can't find the right buttons cameras anything uh, it is breaking travel news is the website and the headline is Euro 16 Emirates doubles on board live sports coverage now that's cool I like that what, what, nothing uh, I'm just moving my arm right <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> he's in a world of his own today uh, Emirates is amplifying its in-flight entertainment offering adding a second dedicated sports channel to its ICE TV live on board now available on over 90 of its Boeing 777 aircraft. Uh, busy globetrotters and travelling sports fans can now enjoy more live sporting action than ever before. Sports 24 Extra, the second dedicated sports channel, will complement the existing Sports 24 channel to offer double the live sports coverage on ICE Digital Widescreen Emirates award-winning in-flight entertainment system. Sports 24 Extra and Sports 24 will offer live matches and coverage of the much-anticipated top sporting events this summer, including UEFA Euro 2016, which obviously started on Friday. England did really well. Not. Uh, <laughs> NBA, Formula One, Wimbledon, US Open, and MotoGP. Although I should just say that as I'm a big rugby fan, the English whipped the um, 
or strange ones, but anyway, mm. we'll look at it. Uh, two dedicated sports channels, sports fans on Emirates will not miss out on busy. Uh, will, sorry, will not biz out, miss out on busy sporting weekends, and will have the choice of selecting between coverage of two events. The two channels will also provide co- live coverage of the Rio 2016 Olympics this August. This is very exciting. Fans will have the opportunity to watch the world's largest sporting event and cheer for their national teams wherever they may be travelling to on Emirates, a global network of over 150 destinations. Well, this really does sound like your idea of hell, frankly. It does, yeah. <laughs> I've, we've just been discussing that in a chat room, actually. Oh, have you? Oh, right, yeah. OK. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Mr Warner, is uh, he's one of my friends there, you see, because he, he's also uh, in the same league as me, who finds football right. incredibly boring. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, Paul has just said sorry. Almost forgot. Sidetracked by dinner and football. Dinner's yeah. good. Dinner's good. Dinner's good. Yeah, it's dinner's not so good. much as football. Yeah, <laughs> Carlos and football do not mix. Definitely. No, that's definitely right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so next story on Flight Global site and uh, headline: Boeing seven three seven damaged in hangar blaze. Oh, not good. Uh, this is in Prague Airport. Uh, Prague's airport operator has confirmed that a Boeing 737 was damaged during a hangar fire on the 9th of June. The operators... Well, it's refreshing because it's refreshing they're usually hitting the hangar, aren't they, with the wings? Well, so actually, yeah. so it's, it's a refreshing change of um, you know, damage. But the operator's uh, <laughs> spokeswoman says that the fire in hangar F triggered an electronic alarm at uh, half past seven in the evening. And the fire was completely extinguished by, uh, well, at, at 22. So 10 minutes to put the fire out. That's not bad. That's very quick. She very says the uh, subject's airport fire brigade dealt with uh, the fire and that the cause of the blaze is subject to an investigation. Uh, there were no serious injuries to any personnel. The extent of the fire was not large. She says the in, uh, integrated rescue system was not even activated. Uh, but she says that the 737 was partly damaged in the incident, although she cannot confirm the operator. It is currently too soon to reach any conclusions, she adds, and the damages will be determined by the hangar operator, together with the owner of the affected aircraft. Sources close to the situation have told Flight Global that the jet uh, is registered Oscar Oscar Juliet Juliet India and operated by the Congolese carrier EC Air. Never heard of EC Air, but uh, that's who the jet belongs to. Very unfortunate. But at least it was, you know, it's in a hangar. It's not uh, full yeah. of passengers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's... Um, be grateful for small grateful. Mercies, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On yeah. to the next story, yeah. which is about a very, very nicely colourful airline. I do like this livery. Carry on, Matt. Yeah, OK. All right. Well, I'll pop that up while, while I start the story then. And that is... Uh, it's on the CH Aviation website, and the headline is French Blue Takes Delivery of Maiden Aircraft. And this is an A330, which is nice, <laughs> as opposed to an A300. Uh, yes, so it's an A330. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get told off now. Uh, yes, but as you say, actually, I'm sorry, I'll bring that picture back, actually, because as you say, the colour the color is brilliant, isn't it? I love that. The, I'm a big fan of, the three, of blue. The three-tone blue. Yeah, yeah it really I like works that. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Very simple livery, I like it. Mm. Um, although I can't help but feel it's almost like a clover leaf. It, may, it feels like it should be an Irish. Um, yeah. You know, no? Okay, just mm. me. Fair enough. Just me then. Uh, on to the... Yes, yeah, so, so this is uh, this is the story that uh, it's the uh, French Blue, uh, FBU Paris Orly, has taken delivery of its maiden aircraft, an A330-300 HGW, and the call sign is... Uh, now, I'm just going to... This is where my naivety kicks in here. So is the call sign HGW... 
F HPUJ. No, 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 so no. The registration of the aircraft is mm-hmm. Foxtrot Hotel, Hotel Papa, Papa Uniform Juliet. So, w- with the A330, and the chat room, I'm sure, will, will help me if we don't know that. So, the A330 300 HG. Don't include the HGW. No. So, no. what is the HGW? That's the abbreviation of something, but I can't okay. remember what that is. I should okay. know. All right. Okay. My, well, my so, somebody look that up and and, uh, and let us know. Uh, anyway, so this Skyliner uh, Skyliner Aviation reports the twin jet was f- uh, ferried from Toulouse uh, Blagnac uh, to Bordeaux via sh- uh, uh, via Chateau 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 on Friday. Ooh, we'll get another email about that, no doubt. Uh, yeah. On the third of June, the long haul <laughs> LCC will commence. Revenue operations on September the 15th this year with its maiden route to a four times weekly Paris only to Paris Orly to Punta Cana uh, in the Dominican Republic return service. As previously reported, owing to staff discord at the main line, Air, Air Caribe, thanks for this story, yeah, Air Caribes, um, who, uh, uh, sorry, which is a, a unit uh, about French Blue's operational scope, Group Drubel uh, will limit French Blue's operations to the Indian Ocean market while preserving the transatlantic slash Caribbean market for Air Caribes. Caribes? I think it's Caribes. Yes. As such, French Blue's uh, Punta Cana, Cana route will use Air Caribes travel traffic <laughs> traffic rides, but will switch to the full service carriers metal in uh, June next year when French Blue's um, Mauritius and Saint Denis de la Réunion service kicks in. Well done. Thanks. You got there. Yes. French Blue. Now, I, I yeah. hadn't heard of French Blue as an airline. No. Not surprised because they actually were founded uh, this year in 2016. Right, okay. Uh, their hubs at Paris Orly Airport and uh, their fleet size currently consists of one aircraft <laughs> uh, with the destinations of three. They've got three uh, uh, destinations uh, for the, um, but they for the uh, fleet or the. Um, Destinations, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, my head. Oh, so we're, we're all we're it's all hard work, is it? But the uh, the headquarters in Paris, in France. Uh, I'm just going to see if they've got any orders. They've got some orders for some A350-900s. They've got two of those on order from Airbus, mm-hmm. um, and with the the uh, density to be announced of those. But uh, yeah, so a relatively new mm. airline. Yeah, as I say, so apologies for the at- atrocious pronunciation in throughout that entire story. Uh, uh, Paul's just saying, give me give me some military aircraft any day. He was saying because they were talking about the, the the new livery and how nice it was. Uh, John, Jonathan said yes, definitely. Uh, Jen Niffer says pretty much. I pretty much love anything that flies, uh, <laughs> which is which is fair enough. And I'll take I'll I'll take the little biz jets then. Um, yeah, with with Myla and uh, uh, D- David says he likes anything that flies apart from wasps, which I think is a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they end up on the sharp yes. sharp end of my um, zapper. Right. Later. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're a bit cruel with yours. You tend to you tend to um, you, you tend to fry yours, don't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. You cook them for a prolonged period. They annoy of time. me, so I, yeah. I kill them. <laughs> Next story on Flight Global site. And the headline... Oh, Neville, says he's on, <laughs> Neville says he's on paragraph two of his negative feedback. Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we love yeah. you too, Neville. Yes, um, yeah. The uh, next story of Flight Global, IATA Emirates. Uh, the headline, Emirates closes 
on A350 787 order decision. That's a story we covered uh, a while back. This is about Emirates' um, decision whether they're going to choose the Airbus ah, yes, or of course, the yeah. Boeing product. Uh, so what are, they, what are they using at the moment? Uh, what, what, I mean, what's their fleet predominantly? Well, they've got Airbus and Boeing. Oh, right, okay. Um, they've got triple uh, sevens, yeah. uh, 380s. Obviously, they've got, they've got the largest fleet of the big twin decker they 380s. Mu- they must be one of the few that does operate what I call sort of multi, you know, multi. No, quite a lot of them do. Oh, do they? Yeah, quite a lot of the airlines do. I, I mean, there know, are just... a few that, um, obviously, we've talked about before with yeah. Ryanair and EasyJet that operate just one standard fleet. but I, I, I can never get my head, head around why they have multiple, you know, like they use different, I, I suppose it depends Someone on what like they Emirates, need. Someone like Emirates, though. They've really not got any money worries. Um, but uh, Emirates <laughs> is finalising an order for either Airbus, uh, the A350, or the Boeing 787, mm. but does not expect to be in a position to complete a deal mm. in time for July's Farnborough Air Show. The evaluation has now been running for some two years, and the airline boss's Tim Clark says he's still at it, adding that they haven't made a decision yet, and he, he doesn't expect any decisions uh, by the uh, Farnborough air show dates. Oh. Uh, Clark says the performance offered by the new generation uh, wide-body twin jets gives whoever the, uh, has them great potential. He adds that he's very impressed with what they have to uh, manage to do with these aircraft and it gives the industry the tool to serve the markets in a very incisive manner and a very, very good setup and trip economics as well. However, Clark declined to specify which type would be chosen or the size of the expected order. The evaluation includes the 787-9 along with the larger but shorter range 787-10 uh, which Clark describes as a 10H capable aircraft. Uh, the focus of the Airbus evaluation is on the A350-900 rather than the larger 1000 uh, or the proposed-2000 stretch which Clark refers to as the A350-1000-ish as its design <laughs> specification is still a movable <laughs> feast. Like it now, yes. uh, we're going to obviously keep our eyes on the story because mm. it's going to be um, a, a really big news story when mm. this does break. Eventually, when Emirates do decide what they're going to choose, mm. whether it's going to be Airbus or Boeing, um, if I had to play, or if I had to, to lay money on the on the outcome, I do have to say it. Uh, I think it's going to be Boeing. You reckon um, it's going to be Boeing? Yeah, okay. I have to say. I think it's well, going to be Boeing. I think it's going to be Airbus personally. Because they love their A380, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, but they are starting to fade. I mean, I know Emirates are starting to get rid of a lot of their A330s. Yeah. Are uh, they the four-engine ones? They're the three. They're the three uh, thirties, the two-engine ones. Two-engine ones. The, oh, right. the uh, okay. wide-body three thirties, um, and they're starting to phase a lot of those out. But okay. uh, but interesting. So I think it's going to be Boeing. Yeah. But, um, there we go. Uh, well, Chatham probably disagree with me there. But. <laughs> on, on the subject of of um, of flying. Um, <laughs> in, in, in mention to David not liking wasps, Mike, Micah put, uh, you don't like wasps, what, you don't like the women's air service pilots. <laughs> like, well, I didn't think about that. Touché. Very touché. good, Micah. Well Very played. good, Micah. Yes, Very good. <laughs> How rude, David. How, well, I mean, honestly. <laughs> so we go move from that story on we to do. another story which actually concerns a similar thing, but this time... With Qantas, yes, absolutely. This is uh, CH Aviation, and it is Qantas weighs up the A350 or the Boeing 777X for long-term fleet replacement. Uh, so it's, uh, as I say, quite an exciting story. This so Qantas uh, is studying the A350-900 um, or the A350-900 alongside the Boeing 777-8 for its long-term ultra-long-haul needs. Um, Qantas chief executive. Alan Royce has disclosed. Speaking to the Australian business traveller at the recent IATA AGM or AIT, 
so a sorry iata agm in dublin joyce said the australian carrier was currently working on its post 2020 fleeting plans with both airbus and boeing offerings under serious consideration you always look at the options out there to make sure that you're picking the one with the right economics, he said, and we have a bit of time on this. The Boeing 777-8 is not going to be uh, available until 2022 to 2023, maybe a bit later, and Boeing and Airbus always keep some slots back for big brands like Qantas, so we would be able to get availability when we need it. That's quite bold and, and bolshy of them, isn't it? I mean, I know they are one of the big players out there in the market, but um, anyway, uh, both the A350-900 and the Boeing 777-8 are expected to operate over ranges of up to 16,000 kilometres. However, while the Boeing 777-8 will be capable of holding uh, 350 to 375 passengers as compared to the, uh, the 300s uh, or so with, with the other offering, um, the uh, the ULR ultra long the range. ultra long range is expected to make its commercial debut in 2018. So quite a bit earlier. So it's good mm. like sort of, yeah good 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 few years earlier, uh, and that's with Singapore Airlines uh, almost four years earlier than its American rival. In terms of next generation wide body aircraft, Qantas Qantas is expected is expecting its first of eight uh, Boeing 787-9s later next year. They will be used to gradually replace the carrier's remaining fleet of 11 Boeing 747-400s. Yeah, just looking at the, the fleets uh, for Qantas, they've um, they've actually got more. They've got a lot more Boeing aircraft than they have um, right. Airbus, um, but they've got uh, that order, as you just said, there for the 787-9 to replace the poor old 747-400s. Something that Nick will be happy about, Captain Nick. He'll uh, he'll be very in, incredibly happy about that. Um, but they've also got the, the most of their fleet uh, they've got is the 737-800. They've got uh, quite a few of those mm. uh, in in service. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on them and see what they're going to do. So next news story then, moving on, yep. uh, is on the CH Aviation website. Uh, a little bit of kind of saddish news for the poor old 737. But mm. Lufthansa, the, uh, the German national carrier Lufthansa, are to end 737 operations in the mid-fourth uh, quarter uh, mm. of this year. Lufthansa, that's, that's a beautiful-looking aircraft, isn't the, it? That's the uh, 747-8, right. that one. That's yeah. the latest uh, 747. Cool. That, that looks uh, lovely. Uh, four engines, which I'm surprised Yes, yes, by. yes, that's yeah. the jumbo. That is the, the gorgeous queen of the skies there. Yeah. So uh, Lufthansa will conclude regular 737 operations in October this uh, this year, CH Aviation's analysis uh, of scheduled data has shown. Uh, the German carrier currently operates uh, 737-300s on regular flights from Frankfurt International to Boulogne, Gen uh, Geneva, Hanover, Katowice, Leipzig, Nuremberg, Prague, Stuttgart uh, and Zurich uh, with its last commercial service set for the 29th of October this year. Uh, the CH Aviation Aircraft database shows that Lufthansa has over the years operated all variants of the Boeing 737 Classic family, including 20 737-100s, uh, 44 737-200s, 41 737-300s, and 737-400s, and 30 of the uh, 737-500s. Uh, but uh, as we said, they're going to phase uh, all those out uh, at the end of this year. 
Uh, so they'll uh, they'll have no more seven three sevens. I expect a lot of those will go to cargo. They'll be converted yep. to yeah, yeah. Uh, to cargo. Yeah, they won't go out of services per se. No, no, no. I think the older ones may well, but yep. uh, go for scrap. But I think the a lot of those uh, a lot of those seven three seven, especially the three hundreds and the four hundreds and stuff. Um, they they tend to go to cargo carriers to be converted. Um. Uh, Mr. Warner has actually got a very good point here that he's just put. Uh, I love how they they show a picture for a seven four seven dash eight when it's a three seven three seven story, which That's is very true. Which I dare say will have annoyed Nev no end, but uh, we'll, we'll gloss over that and uh, move on. The next story. <laughs> the next story. Uh, yes, this was on. Uh, for those of you who follow the Aviation Herald website, a fantastic mm-hmm. website done by Simon. Uh, this story was on there with a lot of pictures, and uh, if you once Matt is finished, um, mm-hmm. yep. if you go on to Aviation Herald site, so you'll be able to see the pictures from inside the aircraft. Yeah. It was quite a mess. Yeah, so absolutely. Carry on. We'll put we'll put some of the, those up as I'm doing the story. Uh, so it's the Travel Mall website, and the headline is "Passengers injured as s- severe turbulence hits a flight from London." So uh, passengers on a Malaysia Airlines flight from London have posted images. Um, and shared experience on social media after the aircraft hit severe turbulence en route to Kuala Lumpur. Reports in the Malaysian media say that 34 passengers and six crew on board the Airbus A380 were injured when flight MH1 hit turbulence over the Bay of Bengal on Sunday. The airline was not has not confirmed the figure, but issued a statement to say that a number of the 378 passengers were treated by medics after touching down in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, in a statement, uh, the airline said that Malaysia Airlines flight MH1 from London Heathrow landed on time in Kuala Lumpur on the 5th of June. During the flight over the Bay of Bengal, the passenger seatbelt light was switched on due to air turbulence. Due to a brief moment of severe turbulence, some passengers suffered minor injuries. Medical crew and Malaysia Airlines senior management met the aircraft on arrival to Kuala Lumpur International Airport. It's a lovely airport there. Have you ever been there? No. It was where my layover was when when I went to New Zealand. And that was an absolutely... Wonderful airport. It really is a wonderful airport. So well organised, as you perhaps would expect. So anyway, a small number of affected passengers and crew have been treated by medical officers. Malaysia Airlines has assisted the 378 passengers and crew on board MH1 and sincerely apologises for any inconvenience caused by the weather event, which was entirely beyond our control. Uh, the one one passenger tweeted, flew up in the air despite being strapped. Uh, oh, right. Despite wearing your seatbelt, flew up in the air despite being strapped uh, down. Uh, kudos to all the crew on board. Another tweet said, the main thing is that everyone is safe. Well done to the pilot and his team. Another said, just a friendly reminder to everybody, including me, always keep your seatbelts fastened, even when the seatbelt sign yes. is turned off. So yeah, I suppose fair enough if you're getting up to to try and use the facility. Can you imagine if you were you trying using trying the facilities? To use the facilities yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, actually, this is one for the pilots out there because, as I say, I don't know anywhere near enough about aviation, and I'm frantically trying to learn. Um, but I mean, how much notice do you, as a pilot, get um, in regard to turbulence? Is it an event? That you are notified by in advance, or is it just something that you? They do their what, best. Pilots do yeah. their best to notify you in advance when there's going to be turbulence and stuff, yeah. you know. But it's it is really up to the passenger, you know. If you do mm-hmm. get a warning like that, to, to but when take they press heat, the button to say, I mean, it, yeah, are they already experiencing turbulence when when mm-hmm. turbulence when the light when they, when the pilot decides? Uh, 
you know the captain decides that it's time to put on the put on the seatbelt sign. I mean, if you go if you go like I said, go to the uh, Aviation Herald website, you'll be able to see a lot of pictures on there yeah. of uh, of what happened there on yeah. the aircraft. It was it was a quite a mess. Mm, I can on, imagine. On, I can imagine. on board yeah. the aircraft. Well, it was with severe turbulence. I mean, this mm. is this is essentially my idea of not of, of hell, frankly. Uh, I think the idea <laughs> is put, put the headphones in. Put the telly on, yeah, and just, and, just zone uh, out, chill out, yeah, yeah. yeah, and maybe wear a hard hat. For yeah. the sound of it, <laughs> and quite, quite uh, right, Jen. Uh, Jen in the yeah. uh, chat room has uh, put that a lot of pilots uh, report uh, report turbulence as well. Mm. Um, to you know, they will report turbulence so a lot of uh, times that they're you know they can. So say, if, if other oh, pilots so are in so the area, been, yeah, 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 has been reported yeah, turbulence yeah. in the area. Yeah. Uh, good evening to Shortbacker. He's in the uh, chat room. Good evening to mm. you. Thanks for joining us this evening. Yeah, and um, we've got uh, one. We've got we're kind of kind of a top twenty-ish. Right, okay. top twenty for a while. Yes, okay. And um, this one is it is the twenty planes every aviation fan should experience. Wow! So yeah, these okay. these are twenty aircraft that you yeah. as aviation fans. Should, uh, experience. should experience so at some point see, during your yeah, time. See how many uh, of these uh, you uh, you guys and girls have flown. Okay, yeah. So uh, we was we start at uh, number number twenty. Is this? Is it yes. twenty? Yeah. So and that's the Bombardier. <laughs> I <laughs> didn't. I do. I well. was expecting yeah. you to say Bombardier. Then, bombardier. <laughs> yes. No, I'm trying to be good. I, I've already, you know, it's in in, in the interests oh, of uh, of accuracy and trying to pronounce things correctly. So it's a Bombardier C series. Yeah, the uh, the Bombardier C series first flew 2013. Mm-hmm. The, the CS 100, and they've got and the, the CS 300, yeah. which first flew in 2015. Um, this is Bombardier's attempt to break into the medium-sized airliner market between 110 and 160 seats to compete head-on with Boeing and Airbus. Fantastic. Uh, number 19 is an uh, Airbus A350XWB, which is Extra, extra wide, wide Body. Yes. Launched in response to the initial success of the Boeing 787, the A350 is a wide, long-body haul-line airline that seats between 280 and 400 passengers. Uh, nearly 800 have been ordered so far, and their deliveries have been taking place since uh, 2015. Ah. Uh, number 18 is... Uh, it's Boeing, rival. It is his rival. It's the Boeing 787. The Dreamliner uh, represents a significant milestone in the history of aircraft uh, manufacturing, being the first to make uh, use of extensive uh, composite materials. Mm. Uh, made by Boeing, uh, you can see plenty of Dreamliners in the air at the moment. Uh, those who with Flight Radar Twenty Four, you'll probably get a look on there and see lots of Dreamliners flying around in the air. Uh, used by quite a few airlines around the world now. And the next one, uh, number seventeen. Uh, this is the the Sukho- Is it the Su- Sukhoi Sukhoi uh, Superjet One Hundred? First flew in two thousand eight, and uh, this Sukhoi Superjet One Hundred. Uh, represents Russia's comeback into the civilian aircraft ah. making scene. Uh, manufactured in partnership with Alina of Italy and several other foreign aerospace firms, the Superjet is a clean sheet design that targets the growing regional jet market uh, for aircraft with fewer than 110 seats. Yeah. Number 16 is the Airbus A380. The huge double-decker airliner become an icon, icon, an icon in its own right. Despite the size, the A380 is a very quiet and amazingly maneuverable aircraft. It's certified to carry over 800 passengers. What? Although the typical configuration is between uh, 450 and 600 seats. Wow. Uh, number 15 is the Antonov AN-2. 
148 and 158. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Antonov 148 first flew in 2004, and the Antonov 158 first flew in 2010. Is it Antonov that makes that monster? Monster, monster yes, plane. it is. Yeah, yeah. Here's uh, another product for the Antonov Design Bureau that may attract the interest of aviation enthusiasts because of its relative uh, scarcity. Only around 40 have been built so far, and its unconventional look somehow reminiscent of the BAE 146. Uh, number 14... That's is a Boeing triple seven? Yes, the triple seven first flew nineteen ninety four. Uh, typically carrying between three hundred and four hundred and fifty passengers over long distances, um, it uh, is the first commercial airliner to be a hundred percent digitally uh, digitally designed. Oh. Uh, with large, with the largest turbofan engines, best selling. Uh, it's a best selling wide bodied airliner. And Boeing is already working on its uh, its right uh, its, uh, its the replacement, next model, the replacement the triple seven X, which should enter service in twenty twenty. Mm, number thirteen is the Embraer Ejet, ah, uh, cool. with its Ejet family, which includes the one seventy and one seven five, seating seventy to eighty passengers, and the E one ninety and one nine five that stretches to a hundred to one hundred and twenty seats. The Brazilian manufacturer Embraer has grabbed a significant share of the regional market in fierce competition with the archival, uh, the arch rival uh, Bombardier. Bombardier. Yes, uh, number twelve. Uh, the Bombardier CRJ. Ah, you know, we just that, that's a bizjet type yeah. sort of thing. Isn't it's, it? a, it's a regional jet. Yeah, regional yeah, jet. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, first flew in nineteen ninety one. The aircraft family has made a big contribution to the popularization of the regional jet concept. The Canadian manufacturer Bombardier has developed different sizes of the, this stylized aircraft from the 50 to the 100 seat categories. And number 11 is the A340, the Airbus A340. First flew 1991. Uh, the A340 is a four-engine long-haul airliner that was designed by Airbus in the 1980s to challenge the American-made models that dominated the market at the time. Typically flown in configurations ranging from 260 to 350 seats, uh, it, uh, it completed a segment between, uh, or it uh, competed in a segment between the larger Boeing 747 and the smaller 767. Uh, it was produced in several versions. The 340-600, uh, for example, is a, sli- is a sight to behold with its long, slender fuselage, which is the version that uh, Captain Nick flies. Ah, actually, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, this is number ten on our uh, rundown, if you like, of the most uh, basically all plane av- aviation enthusiasts should um, should have should see basically this is a top 20 list and this is number 10 the Aleutian IL 96 uh, is uh, first flew in 1988 uh, the swan song of it's the quite Soviet one, isn't it? yeah mm. industry this long range four engined wide bodied airliner first flew uh, when the USSR was in its last throes Entered service with Aeroflot, uh, the flag carrier for the new Russian state in 1992. Uh, one of the most notable features for passengers in the cabins unu- is the young cabin's unusually high ceiling. Hmm, I'd love to have Indeed. a look at one of those. Indeed, at, at number nine. At number nine, it's just what Matt was talking about earlier. It's the Antonov 225 ah, the beast. Myra. Uh, or Myria. Myria, yeah. I think you'd pronounce that. Yeah, Myria. Yeah, yeah. First flew in 1988. Uh, it's uh, the, the, well, it, it's huge. Mm. Uh, it's uh, it's the largest aircraft in the world, uh, and the which, uh, well, it just it just stands out. The six-engine giant. such a beast, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, was originally designed to carry the Soviet space shuttle on its back, but was later converted to airlift cargoes that uh, no oh. other aircraft are uh, capable no, of carrying. Indeed. 
A job it still performs to this day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, number uh, number eight, I think, isn't it? I'm getting really confused now. Yeah, <laughs> number eight. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Airbus A320 first flew 1987. Uh, if the Boeing 737 is included in this list, the A320 has to be here too. Mm. Although it first flew in 1987, uh, two decades later than its arch rival, the three uh, the 320 has managed to catch up with the uh, 737 and even outsell it. Uh, the A320 was Airbus's response to the 737, uh, with its fly-by-wire and side-stick controls, pioneered a new approach to commercial aircraft. Uh, I'm just going to have a quick stab at uh, Captain Nick, because I know he does listen to the show. Uh, those of you who remember the, uh, the A320 when it, uh, it flew at a, an air show, and uh, it was one of its first flights to show off right. the aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the, the aircraft uh, done a low, I think it was a low fly past, uh -huh. and uh, ended up um, l landing in a forest. Oh, dear. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't a proud day. No, it wasn't a proud day, day but uh, you'll remember that, uh, that sort of showcased Airbus there. Right, great. Just yes. a little dig there, Captain Nick. <laughs> anyway, number seven. Uh, number seven, uh, the ATR. He's going to email me now. Yes, or he is. Abuse will the be ATR forthcoming. 42, yeah. uh, the first flew in 1984. Um, what Airbus is to jets, the ATR is to smaller turboprop aircraft. In the early 1980s, French firm Aerospatiale, now part of Airbus, uh, and Alina of Italy, joined forces to design a regional propelled jet or propeller aircraft. Uh, the result was the ATR-42, and later on, its larger derivative, the ATR-72, both widely successful in the market niche. Number six. Number six. Oh, it's an old... Ah, oh, classic. Oh, I do like uh, this one. The BAE 146, or you could call it the Avro, Avro RJ. RJ. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the BAE 146 first flew 1981, and the R Avro RJ first flew 1992. The British short-haul airliner and its late derivative, the Avro RJ series, feature a very distinctive design with a high cantilever wing and four engines mounted underneath. Some versions were called the Jumbolino because of its four engines and wide cabin, both unusual in a regional uh, airliner. Uh, I do love the word. Regional? No, 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 no sorry, uh, derivative. I think it's such a lovely word. Derivative, yes. derivative, derivative is a, such a lovely word. Derivative. Yes, indeed. Anyway, number five. Number five, the Antonov uh, AN-72 and AN-74. Antonov AN-72 first flew 1977. That's a year after wow. me and Matt were born. And uh, the AN-74 first flew in 1983. Possibly the weirdest-looking aircraft out there, the AN-72, and its later version, the AN-74, a nickname... Chebrushka, because Chebrushka. the Chebrushka, because the engine configuration uh, with two jet engines mounted on top of the fuselage makes it look like a popular Soviet cartoon character <laughs> of the same name. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. Well, that's very good. Yet yeah. number four. Number four, the Lucian 76. That's another uh, great word. Oh, now that's a beast of a, of we'll a thing. put that picture on in a second. Yeah. First flew in 1971, although its primary role entering service, uh, since entering service with the Soviet Air Force in 1974 has been military transport, the Lucian 76 is capable of performing multi uh, multitude of other roles, including uh, firefighting to passenger service. The Illusion 76 is a reliable, solid four-engined aircraft able to operate from unpaved and short runways yeah. or drop paratroopers or supplies in war zones. Matt, I'll just put the picture on I there. Will, absolutely. There we go for yeah, those of you in the chat room. That's a beast, isn't it? See that yeah. there on the chat. So, is that, so it's got two sets of wings. No, no, no. That's another aircraft Oh, it's another it. one behind yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> <There's>, 
<laughs> I thought that might that might trick you there. Yes, no, indeed. Yeah, no. mission mission accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. It's one. Of, it looks like one of those weird screenshots. Oh, what am I on, doing on it? Why am I sitting in this seat? What am I doing here? It, <laughs> I would, it would be an interesting concept for an aircraft, though. <laughs> oh, dear. To, to look like that. Oh, that was so very a twin, of a it. twin tail. That anyway, shall we good. move on? Yeah. <laughs> Number three is the uh, Boeing seven four seven. First flew nineteen sixty nine. Uh, few aircraft have achieved the iconic status of the Boeing 747, commonly known as the Jumbo Jet. Its easy recognisable shape with two decks on the forward section helped it gain popularity, but the Jumbo is impressive for other reasons as well. Its capacity, reach and reliability have made it the queen of the skies over mm. four decades. Despite the fact the latest incarnation of, uh, iteration of the Boeing 747, the Dash-8, hasn't been a huge commercial success, and many airliners have uh, started to I withdraw. <laughs> have started to withdraw earlier yeah. versions of the type. <laughs> Oh yes. dear, there are still so many jumbos in service um, uh, that opportunities to fly a 747 will be around for decades to come. The reason I flew to Vegas on, on uh, Virgin in February is because I've never been on this 747 and that was my first time. Ah. But I'm glad I did it now because yes, okay. yeah, yeah. it was good. Absolutely. Anyway, number two. Number two, Boeing 737. First flew in 1967. Wow. Uh, this aircraft is a sure familiar to today's frequent flyer. Uh, the Boeing 737 is the best-selling aircraft of all time. Some 9,000 of them, uh, which uh, come in many variants, have been built since 1967, making it uh, ubiquitous in all corners of the globe. <laughs> and finally, at number one. At number one, then, it's a de Havilland Canada DH-6 Twin Otter. First flew 1965. Often used as a commercial aircraft providing uh, services to small communities, the Twin Otter is a small, solid aircraft that nevertheless is capable of the most incredible landings. For example, it provides services to the Caribbean islands of Saba, which has the shortest commercial landing strip in the world, as well as nearby St. Bart's, where pilots must undergo special training before they are permitted to land. Flying into any of these airports on a DHC-6 is an experience no aviation enthusiast would want to miss. Oh, Isn't that good? So there we go. Was that actually number one? Did I count down correctly? Yeah, that was right. Way? You're right, yeah. Hey! Absolutely right. So what's that picture there? Oh, that's, that a, that's, that's the lovely 747. Look at that. Isn't uh, that there we lovely. Go. Yeah, look, look at that. Yeah. It's definitely one of those. It's in my top five, anyway. Is it? Yeah. As yeah. I say, it's not, it's not really uh, any particular order. It's just the 20 most aircraft that... Neville, really Neville Bounds has just put in the chat room that he's been on on Twitter. That must be a new, uh, new yes, site. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Something, something about tweeting. Twitter, yeah, twatting. Twitter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have another version of that, but I can't use that. On, and Jen, on, yeah. uh, Jen in the chat room, she's uh, flew on a TWA seven four seven from France ah, cool. to JFK. Yeah, cool, yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm just trying to read through. I love popsicles. Main man Micah, love the Dash Six. Used to fly it up and down the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, lucky you, Micah. Yeah, yeah, I bet. He's got another million stories to tell about yeah, that yeah, one as well. Yeah, let's hope so. Mm. Yes, the sooner we get one of those, the better. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we bring the commercial segment of the show Indeed. to a close. We've got some military news, and yep. we've got a little, little bit of air show news yep. as well at the end. Um, but we are going to come back uh, with, uh, I think we'll do some, oh, what should we do? Let's do we, some. We, we, we're just going to do, uh, we're just going to have a very quick break, and then we're going to have, we've got a segment from the legend. That, that is, is Pilot Pip. Pop. A pilot pop? Pilot pop. <laughs> oh, no. Pilot pip. It's funny pilot you say PBS. that. It's, no, it, no, actually, it's interesting you say that. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Because 
I, I just thought it was my Alzheimer's sitting in. When I, when I, when I text <laughs> yes. Pip on yeah, my mobile phone. It always comes up with pop. Yeah, 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 yeah. It always comes Predictive up. Text, Predictive text. Yeah. Predictive text comes up with pop. <laughs> So anyway, call him yeah. Pilot Pop. No, we're not going to call him that. No, we're not going to call him Pilot Pop. No, what we are going to do is we're going to take a very quick break and we'll be right back after these short messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news wires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. We're back. Hello, everyone. We are certainly back. Yes, absolutely. Okay, should we get to it? Should we get right in? Yes. So we have got uh, a segment sent in then from a pilot. From Pitt. the legend that is pilot. He actually record- he hasn't been replaced. No, no, he, panic. He, he uh, yeah. actually <laughs> recorded the segment for us today whilst he was uh, watching his son um, playing an, an interesting game mm. uh, that he's going to explain all about. Oh, is he? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's let's give it a listen. Plane safety from the flight deck with pilot Pip. Good morning everyone in Plane Talking UK land. It's Pip here with another segment. Now, a couple of apologies. First off, apologise for, uh, for the noise in the background. It's a Sunday morning, so I'm down here with my young lad at the Pee Wee Cricket. Uh, so you could probably hear them in the background running around like lunatics playing cricket. Now, I actually prefer their way of playing cricket. In Pee Wee Cricket, the fielders tackle each other, which I think is a huge improvement. And then the other apology is for the quality of the sound here. I'm having to record this directly onto my iPhone with no microphone or anything. I bought my little portable recorder with me, but it ran out of battery. So that's rather poor planning. So sorry about that. But anyway, in this little segment, um, something slightly different. I thought I'd just tell you about a couple of interesting things that I got up to this week. Just came back yesterday from a five-day trip. And there's a few interesting things going on. The first of which was uh, the very first flight I did something called a maintenance check flight. Uh, I went up to uh, Horden, or Harden, up near uh, sort of Liverpool Way, which is where we've got a big maintenance facility. And the aircraft I was picking up had been in there for quite a heavy maintenance check. It had been in maintenance for about six weeks. They'd done all kinds of things on it. And one of the things we do at Safe Jets, at least, when we have these maintenance checks, is we take the aircraft up empty, no passengers, just the two of us. We take it up and we perform a series of tests, testing out pressurization systems and stall checks and all kinds of things. And it's really quite good fun, actually. It's a good learning opportunity. We get to do some stuff that we don't normally do in the course of everyday flying. Now, I don't think this is something most airlines do, um, 
it's quite expensive and uh, cost prohibitive, but we do it at Safe Jets for various reasons. One of them, in fact, is that uh, for certain maintenance items, we have to take the aircraft up and do a stall check. When they remove the leading edges of the aircraft, at least on my aircraft on the Hawker, it requires a stall check following that. So it's quite good fun. It's about two-hour flights. We get sent a big sort of syllabus, a work package of all the tests and things that we've got to run through. So off we went, the two of us. Now, I'm not actually qualified for the maintenance check flights. We have a handful of pilots uh, in the company who, who do the check flights. So I was along as pilot not flying, but I still have a role to perform. Uh, performing the checks, writing down all the results, the parameters, engine parameters, and all this sort of stuff. So it's quite a busy flight. Uh, so some of the things we get up to, for instance, we check the emergency pressurization system. So we take the aircraft up to not quite high level, but a medium level, 250. Um, we turn off the, uh, the bleed valves for the pressurization, so the aircraft starts to depressurize. We then have another valve, a third valve, something we call the flight deck valve which will supposedly keep the aircraft pressurized all the way up to flight level 410. So we test that, we close down the main pressurization system and open up this other valve fully to make sure that it will in fact pressurize the aircraft. And it did perfectly well. Uh, that emergency pressurization system, incidentally on my aircraft at least, takes uh, air directly from the uh, high pressure compressor on the engine and feeds it directly into the cabin. So it pressurizes the aircraft no problem, but actually it's extremely hot air. So the, the flight deck and the whole cabin becomes extremely hot very quickly. So you wouldn't want to fly around too long with that thing on. But for, uh, for instance, if you were up at high level and you couldn't descend down to 10,000 feet because you were over a high mountain range or something, then you've got this emergency pressurization system, which will do the job, although it's a little uncomfortable. Uh, so we do all kinds of things like that. And the, other, the really cool thing we get to do is to go off and do some stall checks on the aircraft. We actually go up and fully stall the aeroplane, which is great fun and something not many pilots... Uh, get to do, at least not in, um, you know, sort of jet aircraft. Now, as I'm sure you might be aware, listening from other aviation podcasts, this is one of the, the uh, upcoming challenges for the airline industry, is greater stall training awareness. The um, aircraft manufacturers and the simulator manufacturers have been tasked with providing training which realistically replicates the stall characteristics of of aircraft and this is a big challenge for them they really don't know quite how they're going to do it because they just don't have the data it's not something we we do regularly we don't often take uh, transport aircraft up and stall them so it's a really great opportunity for me to be able to to do this to have a really good idea exactly the stalling characteristics of my aircraft and i've done this several times now so what we do we have a a schedule of um stall speeds that we would expect versus weight of course the stall speed will uh, vary with the aircraft weight, the higher the weight, the, ho the higher the stall speed. These are all low, uh, low speed stalls. So we know the aircraft weight, we know what the expected speeds are in, in uh, various configurations, so uh, flaps 15, flaps 25 with gear down, fully configured, flaps 45. So we go up and we run through each of these stalls one at a time. So we start off with a, a flaps 15 stall, so we go up level 250, we bug a certain trim speed we call it, and let the aircraft stall. We pull the power back and just keep progressively pulling back on the stick so the angle of attack gets greater and greater and greater and the speed starts to drop lower and lower and lower. And eventually you'll get to the stick shaker, which is um, 
a little electric motor on each of the yokes when it reaches a, a certain threshold above the actual stall. Off the top of my head, I think it's 4% above the stall. The stick shaker will go, so it's a little electric motor and it shakes the stick, it goes and it shakes the stick. It's impossible to fail to notice that stick shaker. And if you've got that in real life, on a, you know, a flight where you're not expecting a stall, that would be your big cue to shove the nose down and unstall the wing. But we're not doing that, we're going to take it a little bit further. But I note the speed at exactly which the stall shaker comes on, and so we just keep pulling back a little bit more, a little bit more. The angle of attack is increasing now, and eventually we'll get up to the full stall and we'll get the stick pusher. This is another uh, system on the aircraft, it's a hydraulic system. When you actually reach the stall or just above the stall, the stick pusher will actually physically push the stick forward in an attempt to unstall the aircraft. So again, we have a speed at which we expect that to happen. So we'll take it all the way to the stick push and note down the speed that it actually does happen. And it has to be within a certain threshold, a certain tolerance limits to pass the check. So we do this and we run through the whole, whole list of checks. There's like six of them. And it's really good fun. And actually on my aircraft, the stalling is relatively benign. Except for the fully configured stall, flaps 45, that's full flap with the gear down. Uh, it's quite interesting that my aircraft has a definite tendency to um, almost snap roll to the right. So uh, I found myself a few times now in these checks with almost 90 degrees bank on and the, uh, <laughs> the nose pointing at the ground, which is a very interesting perspective, something you don't see every day. But it's all good fun. But as I say, it really gives me a great appreciation of how the aircraft handles in the, uh, the, the limits of the flight regime. And it's, it's not something many pilots get to experience. I'm quite grateful for that. Sorry about the noise. There's a dog barking in the background. So anyway, we went off, did that, did all the stall checks and had great fun doing that. And the aircraft passed. It was signed off. Released to service, able to carry passengers. Now the other interesting thing, which I did, uh, I'll just tell you about it very briefly, is a radar approach, a precision approach radar, PAR approach. And again, this is something that not many pilots get to do because we just don't really use it very often anymore, certainly not in civil airfields. A PAR approach or an SAR approach or some other kind of radar approach is just not done anymore. But they do still regularly do them at military airfields. And at safe jets, we do quite often go to various military airfields. And in particular, we go very frequently to RAF Northolt in northwest London, just to the north of Heathrow. That's one of our regular haunts. So we quite regularly get to practice uh, radar approaches. And what is a radar approach? Well, quite simply, it's an approach in which we're talked down by a radar controller. So instead of following an ILS signal or a VOR or a GPS approach or something like that, we're being guided down in both the horizontal and vertical plane by a, a talk-down controller, someone on the ground who's sitting in a radar room with a screen in front of him and he's got a, an azimuth line and a, um, a vertical line and he can plot exactly our position. And he'll talk us all the way down almost to the runway. This is a precision approach, so he can talk us all the way down to a decision altitude of 200, a decision height, sorry, of 200 feet above the, above the runway. So exactly the same as an ILS. And again, these are really good fun, something that you don't often get to do in the, the normal sort of airline lifestyle. So it's quite good fun to go and practice. So what will happen, you'll be talking to an approach controller and he'll hand you over to the talk down guy. And he'll start off by saying something like, uh, he'll give you a heading. Uh, so we're flying onto runway 07 at uh, North Holt, for approaching from the north. 
So he'll say something like, OK, heading 120 degrees, well left of centre line, correcting nicely. And you'll already be at the correct altitude. So and he'll, every five seconds he'll give you an update and he'll progressively turn you left onto the, onto the inbound track. So he'll say, uh, you know, turn left now, 070, left of centre line, correcting nicely. OK, on centre line, approaching top of descent. Start your descent now for a three degree profile. So you'll already be prepared, you'll know roughly based on your ground speed what your rate of descent will be, so you'll set that and he'll just talk you down. He'll say slightly above glide slope, correcting nicely. Or he might say well above glide slope, not correcting. So if he says something like that, we'll have to increase the rate of descent. Or if he says below glide slope, we'll have to decrease the rate of descent. And we'll follow that all the way down, except if we hear something like dangerously below glide slope or dangerously left right of centre line. If we hear that, then for us, that's an automatic go around. If we're well below centre line, then we start a missed approach. And then there's a couple of oddities when you're dealing with military units. Uh, I don't know where they get these funny habits from, but uh, at some point they'll, they'll leave a big gap and he's expecting you to say something like uh, gear down, cockpit checks complete. And if you don't say that, he will prompt you, he'll say confirm, gear down, checks complete. And this is kind of an odd thing to say. Why would a controller ask you if your gear's down? You know, that's our job, that's not his job. But this is just one of those odd things you get in the military. And actually it comes from uh, their single cockpit crews, the fast jet crews, and actually going all the way back to the Second World War where Spitfire and Hurricane pilots would regularly uh, land with the gear up because they're just so overloaded and task-saturated, they just forget. So it's a sort of a procedure and a habit in the military to uh, prompt the pilot to check that uh, everything's been done, the gear's down, and all his checks are complete. And it's something they ask our civil pilots as well, so it always raises an eyebrow and a chuckle. And we say, yeah, the gear's down, you know, come on. But anyway, that's all good fun. And something we really wouldn't get to practice at a civil aerodrome. I think they probably do it every so often just to keep current. You know, a controller probably has to do some sort of radar talk down every, I don't know, three months or something to, uh, to maintain that qualification. But we very, very rarely, if ever, uh, do this sort of thing at a civil aerodrome. But as I say, I'm quite lucky. And we regularly get to do radar approaches into RAF North Holt and various other military aerodromes. Anyway, it's just starting to rain. So I think I'm going to call that quits. Uh, slightly odd section this week, so uh, I hope you enjoyed it anyway. I'll be back hopefully next week with something else. For now, I'm going to sign off and wish you all good flying and stay safe. Bye. Thanks, as always, to Pilot Pit. That is terrifying. Yes, all right. It was a one-off. <laughs> uh, uh, that was terrifying. The idea of actually uh, uh, stalling. I, I know it's part of the, you know, the sort of like... In a jet, though. In, in a jet, like what but Pit yeah, flies. But yeah, stalling a jet, that sounds terrifying. Mm. Yeah, it's terrifying. Nothing in a uh, 150, trust me. No, right. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's part, of the tra it is, it's part of your basic training when you start mm. to learn to fly is um, yeah. the stalls and the yeah, stall know, recovery. But very few people do it in a jet, and that, that's, yeah. oh, I yeah. don't know. Oh, I'd, I'd love think. to give it a try in, uh, in Pip's uh, Hawker that he flies. I'd like to give right. it a try. In okay, yes. I, I, uh, it's I, worth, I it's worth, worth a bit more money yeah. than uh, the yeah. Cessna that I fly. You think? Right, okay. <laughs> so we, uh, we've got uh, some military news we have indeed, yes. uh, to bring you. We've also got a little bit of air show news as well at the end uh, mm -hmm. for the... For what's going on in the next sort of month here in the UK, or lack thereof, it or seems lack thereof, yes. yeah, indeed. Okay, then, should we do it? 
Let's go. Let's uh, go with our rundown of the military aviation news. Are you ready, Matt? Yep. Let's, let's go. go. So the first news story on the Flight Global site this week, and uh, it's good news, hopefully, for the uh, for the UK, uh, that we might actually get some maritime patrol aircraft soon, uh, which would be nice, uh, rather than borrowing everyone else's. The UK's uh, P-8 decision is imminent. Uh, the UK's defence officials are likely to approve a planned purchase of nine Boeing P-8 at uh, Poseidon maritime patrol aircraft. Uh, with a decision possible over the next seven days. London indicated in a November Defence and Security Review that uh, it intended to acquire the 737-derived uh, aircraft, and the so-called main gate decision is one of the final steps to prior to uh, a contract signature. Uh, to be operated by the Royal Air Force, the CFM International CFM 56-powered aircraft are to be acquired via the US government's foreign military sales mechanism. Speaking to the media at uh, Naval Air Station Jacksonville on the 9th of June, Andy Miller, commander of the US Navy's VP-30 training squadron, said the decision is expected in June and could even be made in the next seven days. Further announcements are likely to be made at uh, July's Farnborough Air Show. Ooh. VP-30 operation, uh, operates both P-8 and Lockheed Martin P-3 Orion uh, maritime patrol aircraft. RAF personnel have been training on the P-8 at Jacksonville under its Seed Corn MPA capability re uh, retainment effort. Defence Secretary Michael Fallon also visited the site in May to discuss the introduction of the new type. We know what our six transitions from the P-3 to P-8 uh, look like now, and I spent time with the British contingency last month to outline their transition, Miller says. The United States Navy has so far switched all six East Coast squadrons to the P-8, with their six West Coast counterparts to follow in October. On the 9th of June, the service received its 40th of a contracted 80 P-8, uh, its total requirement for its 117 examples with funding in place for 109. So Matt can pop a quick photo there for those of you in the chat room of the uh, P-8 Poseidon. Uh, and then the aircraft we Why saw at Riyadh. That's yes. right, yeah, yeah, We yeah, yeah. stood very close to one of these at Riyadh uh, yeah. last year. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't let us on board. And oh, there, no, there okay. were lots of men with... Uh, it's because they know you leave all the camera gear behind. <laughs> <Yeah. and> <laughs> <laughs> there were lo lots of men with uh, various machine guns standing yes, near this uh, aircraft. They look quite cross, didn't, uh, didn't they? Yeah. Just didn't want to go mess with them. But we yeah. did, actually, that's, I think we did get to speak to one of the flight commanders of the uh, the aircraft, I think. So, um, right. yeah, we, yeah, we had one of the interviews with those guys there. But that's good news. Fingers crossed the UK will pull the fingers out, as we say, yeah. and uh, hopefully get us some maritime patrol aircraft. Absolutely. Anyway, on to the next story, and this is uh, On Flight Global again, and the headline is Boeing targets October test for improved Chinook rotor blades. This is exciting. Uh, Boeing is targeting an October test of the new uh, CH-47F Chinook rotor blades to increase its maximum takeoff weight by nine to increase it by 907 kilograms. That's nearly a ton. Nearly 2,000 pounds. Mm, yeah. uh, despite the upgrade not yet for, uh, being fully funded by the U.S. Department of Defense. The U.S. Uh, Army-owned Chinook is at the manufacturer's... Uh, is it Mesa? 
Mesa, uh, Mesa yeah. Arizona facility, where it is undergoing modifications ahead of tests of the honeycomb composite rotor blades, which form part of the service's Block 2 upgrade plan. Full evaluations will begin in October following preliminary trials the previous month. Once fielded, uh, the upgrade will increase the heavy lift helicopter's useful load to 13,600 kilograms. Uh, that's up from 12,700 kilograms at present. Uh, they, although the enhancements are not yet to be have not yet been approved by the U.S. Department of Defense, there is an acknowledgement that we need to work through uh, Block Two to keep the aircraft viable, says Mark uh, Ballou, uh, who is the director of attack helicopter sales at Boeing. A milestone B, a, a milestone B decision on the upgrade package is expected in the first half of the fiscal year 2017. Boeing is pursuing a Chinook sale to Germany as a replacement for the is it the Luftwaffe's uh, fleet of Sikorsky CH-5 Five three G's or CH fifty three G's. Uh, it may offer Berlin, it may not offer Berlin the extended range model currently performing remarkably well with the Royal Canadian Air Force, which has twice the fuel capacity of the baseline F model. The airframer considers the Chinook to be the the sweet spot for Germany in terms of lift capabilities, says Balu. Modifications such as those on the rotor blades, along with performance increases as part of Boeing's plans to provide more value for less to customers by offering clear upgrade paths for its helicopter programs. Although declining global defence budgets are putting pressure on sales, Boeing is confident it can uh, increase its market share. And uh, while some orders have been slowed, it is yet to see any cancellations. Now the Chinook, you have to remember, Matt, has been flying. Oh, it's a beautiful um, You know, it's been it? introduced um, well, into service in 1962, but first flew in September 1961. Mm. You know, it's a heck of a long time. And uh, it's good to see that um, they, yeah. they obviously think enough of the aircraft or the helicopter to, uh, you know, to, to change things and improve it and improve it and, and then carry on improving the helicopter to where it is now. Yeah, Mike has just said, uh, why would an attack heli helicopter exec talk about a transport he helicopter? That's unusual, well, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's just, I don't know, trying to get, um, sort of <laughs> trying to save his job, maybe. Perhaps if people aren't buying attack helicopters, you know, they're sort of trying to diversify a little mm. bit, maybe. But there's been, um, uh, there's been nearly, well, nearly one and a half thousand of these helicopters produced mm. since it was, um, you yeah. know, brought into, uh, into Indeed, service. Indeed, very, very, very popular, yeah, absolutely. So uh, next story on uh, the last story on Flight oh, Globals yeah. and Osprey radar selected for oh, MQAC Firescape. I fell in love with that at uh, Riyadh actually. This is the radar. This is the uh, oh, radar. Oh, yeah, yeah, we actually covered uh, a story about this particular um, helicopter a while back now. If you remember, right. it's that that strange looking helicopter with no um, pilot and this the uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, screens yeah, so are kind of cu covered up so right. you can't see inside. Uh, but uh, Leonardo's recently revealed Osprey 30 lightweight active electronically scanned array radar has been selected by the U.S. Navy for integration on the Northrop Grumman's MQ-4C Fire Scout unmanned air vehicle. The contract was signed on the 26th of May at Air Naval Station Systems and Command uh, Center. Notification says that they will see Northrop integrate the radar onto the Bell 407 derived vertical takeoff and landing UAV. The United States Navy has been searching for a radar for the UAV since 2014 and required a more advanced system than the Telefonics AN-ZPY-4 used on the smaller Schweizer 333 derived MQ-8B. 
Revealed in May, the company claims the ASAT radar is the first system of its type to offer full spherical coverage with no moving parts. Mm. The Osprey radar has been flown on the 1st Augusta Westland AW101 on order for the Norwegian Search and Rescue Helicopter Program in a three ASRA configuration. Now, Matt, if you put that uh, picture on the screen now, for those who are in the chat room, mm-hmm. be able to see the uh, helicopter in question uh, with the radar that they're fitting on. There, there we go. And it's uh, it's definitely, it's just so strange to see the, uh, you know, that's a pilotless helicopter, and it's quite a, a, a good-sized helicopter, really. I mean, unless you were close up to it, you wouldn't know that that, no, was, that, you just that, think that it was, was uh, basically unmanned, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's very good. I, I have a friend who is obsessed with his, his um, uh, radio-controlled helicopter. I bet he'd kill for one of those. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've got one in the cupboard just oh, behind you, know, you that's there. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah, behind yeah, yeah, you yeah. there, I've got a remote control helicopter. Yeah. So uh, on to some air show. Uh, what's going on uh, this month? Then we're in June. We're fully into June. We certainly are. Yeah. And uh, we've got a few air shows left for the few weeks we've got mm-hmm. left of June. Yep. Uh, we've got the Western Park Model Air Show, which is at Western Park in Western Under Lizard, mm-hmm. Shifnal. Uh, which is on, actually on a park, a stately home park, which is mm. quite damp. But they've got the Trig Aerobatic Display Team there. This is on the uh, Friday, the nineteenth to the uh, the seventeenth uh, to the nineteenth of June. So Friday, the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth, finishing on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got the Pitts uh, S1D Display Team there, the Glider FX Display Team, which I've seen them go. Cool. Those guys are really good. Uh, on the seventeenth uh, to the nineteenth as well, so the same day for those of you guys and girls in the UK who are near uh, near Guernsey, in the Channel Islands, you've got the forty fourth Guernsey International Air Rally. Uh, they've got twenty five aircraft booked for that so far for the display, and uh, yeah, that one's on the seventeenth to the nineteenth of June. Uh, you've got the Shuttleworth Air Show, which uh, is at Old Warden Aerodrome in Bedfordshire. That's on Saturday the 18th of June. Uh, they've got quite a few displayed aircraft, some older older aircraft there, uh, and uh, with a 1940s feel to the whole show, which would be quite nice. Mm. Uh, at, on, on the 18th and 19th as well. God, it's a busy, busy weekend, is, this one. It? Yeah. Uh, the Western Air Festival and Armed Forces Day at Western Supermare in Somerset. Mm. Uh, they've got a huge uh, uh, participating aircraft lineup, including the Red Arrows and the Eurofighter Typhoon as well, and also the BBMF, the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. As you do. Um, we've also got on the same weekend. Wow, this yeah, is this a, a really extremely busy weekend. Busy weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Great North Fly-In at uh, Eshot Airfield, Felton, Northumberland, and that's uh, that's going to have a huge amount of aircraft there, including support from the British Legion and uh, also other bits and pieces there at uh, that fly-in. Uh, on the 19th of June, Sunday, it's yep. the RAF Cosford Air Show. Uh, this is RAF Cosford in Shropshire, and it's the West Midlands' largest aviation event and one of the Royal Air Force's air shows of 2016. Uh, that's on the 19th, on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, also 23rd and 26th of actually, uh, just towards gonna, the end of the month. Just going to interrupt you there, actually. On uh, Jonathan Warner has actually messaged asking if we could uh, promote for him the uh, the uh, the Wellsbourne. Is it Wellsbourne? 
Oh, uh, Wellsbourne yeah. Wings and Wheels. Yeah, Wellsbourne yeah. Wings That's on the 19th, and Wheels. That's on the 19th as well. Uh, their website is boasting that it's only six days and 16 hours if you're listening to this on the Sunday. Yeah, obviously. Wellsbourne is, yep. ho- is the home of the Avro Vulcan XM655. Ah, cool. Uh, the UK's most complete example of the type, which is also capable of taxable yeah, demonstrations. Yeah, so that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Absolutely. So entrance is free once again, only £5 per... Uh, sorry, entrance fee is only is once again only five pounds per person paid at the gate. Uh, it's unaccompanied. Sorry, I've got the uh, <laughs> yes. It's uh, uh, accompanied uh, under 14s is free. Uh, Maps members, which I had to ask the question, was the uh, maintenance and preservation society members uh, get to get it going for free. And um, yeah, so they're pleased to announce that uh, Barnes Coaches of Swindon have chosen Wellsbourne Wings and Wheels as one of their Father's Day treats. Uh, bookings can be made here. Please note that the admission included. Uh, so basically, you've got classic classic cars and motorcycles. Uh, bookings for that have now closed. Trade stands, fly-ins, and static aircraft display. General inquiries about uh, the Wings and Wheels 2016. Send an email to Wings and Wheels at xm655.com. Yeah, just very, very true. Paul Trickett in the chat rooms put uh, this, this, uh, an opportunity to uh, get to see the P-51. Uh, it's definitely a mm. lovely yeah, aircraft. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 26th of June, end of the month, the Plymouth Air Display. They've got uh, quite a good uh, display of aircraft, mm. including the uh, the Dakota from the Battle of Bit Memorial oh, well, Flight, yeah. the Trig Aerobatic Display Team. They've also got a MiG-15 there at their... Um, their air show as well, and a Yak 50, and also the Royal Navy Black Cats, uh, a team that I saw uh, um, at Malta Air Show last year. And also the Blaze Aerobatic Display Team are going to be there. Uh, going on then, and we're going to sort of get the first few uh, of July mm. on uh, the 2nd of July, which is a Saturday. It's the Royal Naval Air Station, Yeovilton International Air Day. Uh, that's in Somerset on the mm. 2nd of July. Um, there's going to be a five-hour dis- uh, flying display there featuring uh, civilian and military-operated historic and classic modern aircraft types, including the Wildcats, the Lynxes, uh, and also some uh, other maritime squadrons will uh, mm. be there. I see um, on the 2nd of July, very sadly, that um, the Great Yorkshire Air Fest has been cancelled now. Yeah, the 2nd mm. of July, the Great Yorkshire Air Fest, yeah, unfortunately, mm. that's been cancelled. Very sad. But we'll, 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 we'll save the rest, we'll we'll save the rest, rest of July yeah. for, for sort of later on in this month. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, then we've got, uh, moving into July, and we'll have, uh, we'll have Riyadh, which is, uh, yeah. me and Matt will be at Riyadh. So yeah. hopefully uh, some of the listeners will be, hopefully, at Riyadh. Mm. You can yeah. uh, catch up with me and Matt there. Yeah. We'll be wandering around doing our thing we certainly will. with yeah, uh, interviewing various pilots there at the absolutely. show. Absolutely. Well, and maybe even uh, interviewing a few of our listeners like yeah. we did last yeah. year. If, if, you, if, if the listeners there, are there, we shall, uh, we shall yeah. have you on the uh, on See if we can all gather well. you together and, and yeah. sort of have a bit of a chat. But that is where we bring uh, episode number 116 to a close. That's really quite scary, isn't it? How did we get up to that kind of number already? Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do it by the usual means. It's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That is the website. It's www.plaintalkinguk.com facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk you'll find our page there and of course our twitter handle is at plaintalkinguk uh, all of our videos uh, if you want to watch the show um, either as it goes out live or, or, or on catch up uh, you can download it as an audio podcast as I'm sure many of you know already or you can indeed watch it uh, on youtube take yourself to youtube.com forward slash plaintalkinguk and as for you, Mr. Tricker, in the chat room, I uh, can uh, pretty much say with 
uh, definite that the Seething Charity Air Day will be going ahead. Oh, really? Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah, we've got a few friends at Seething who um, who said that the air show is still going go ahead. ahead. Okay, well, let's hope so, because it was a yeah. lovely show last year. In uh, September. Yeah. That's not till September I wonder if Lauren this year. will be there, actually. Again, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's so, on the 4th as Matt of September, said, isn't it? Yes. That is uh, where yeah. we have to bring episode 116 mm. to a close. Thanks to everyone in the chat room for joining mm. us today. You've been, you've been busy chatting yep. amongst yourselves in the chat room. Uh, about uh, a various range of things, actually, in the yeah. chat room today. I will <laughs> yeah, say, there's yeah, been yeah. a bit from everything from um, skidding on ice to yeah, uh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. to uh, to 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 driving. Really, yeah, it's as been, Pips it's been everything. Talking about stalling a pound, stalling aircraft. We ended up talking yeah. about something nothing to do with aviation. Uh, but uh, there we are. That's the the trouble, I suppose. That's it. So hopefully, we'll see you all, some of you guys at React and hopefully Farnborough yeah. as well this year. Uh, we'll keep you posted on anything we find out about those shows and what we're doing and where we'll be in times and bits yep. and pieces. But that's it. That's it. So from all of us here in the studio, it's, uh, it gives me great pleasure to say, or not great pleasure, it's very sad, very sad moment, very sad. as we say goodbye to show number 116. Bye-bye! Bye.